0: This episode of Florida Basketball Hour is brought to you by the Gatorverse, Gatorverse gatorverse.io. If you visit it, you'll see an innovative approach to NIL. that connects fans, athletes, and merchants with digital and physical collectibles, verify community membership, and grants access to exclusive privileges, VIP events, rewards, and experiences. This is NIL, the way it's supposed to work because it puts money right in the pockets of student-athletes. Gatorverse will also bring together top alumni, athletic talent, coaching, and business leaders in events like the basketball tournament, which the Gators participated in over the summer. So make sure to visit gatorverse.io and join now. And welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South. I will be joined in a moment by Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. We're going to talk about Florida's non-conference schedule, which is now complete. The Gators non-conference slate complete with the release of the NIT bracket. Uh, There's actually a bunch of um, the Feast Week tournaments that kind of came out, and I think that should be super interesting to discuss about. but We are going to start our show with a little bit of a different direction Um, because, I don't know, I kind of thought this would be fun. Um, and so, you know, let's talk about the Nike Academy. I don't know if Eric's seen any of these highlights or if I'm just blindsiding him, but uh our guy Riley Kugel has made uh, quite an impression out there.
1: Yeah, it's been good. And I, I think that... Uh, again, something that I talk about at length on the show and I think is just apparent. Um, if you're gonna win at a high level in college basketball, um, you need guys that are that are future pros at the NBA level. And uh it just feels like it's been um it's been a little bit since since the Gators have had a guy that has kind of currently been, been playing at that at that kind of level to to be on a radar. Like yes, Scotty Lewis had some kind of you know, he had the had the hype as a high rated uh, recruit, but he quite famously didn't play well at a number of these camps. also got injured at one, unfortunately, before coming to Florida. Um, but you know, he was always kind of more, more you know, there's pedigree there, and, and of course, Trey Mann was you know, a highly rated recruit, but uh, um, wasn't someone who was like looked at as this surefire NBA player, um, but of course, turned into one. Um, you know, Andrew Nemhart, you know, five star, but was not someone who was ever seen as really being an NBA player. And then he completely turned it on and proved a lot of people wrong and is playing great. But like to have a returning player, go to one of these kind of camps, um, this has been the first time in just a, a long time. And, uh, to see the kind of buzz he's getting, um, to see his name in some, in some mock drafts by some pretty reputable, uh, type sources, um, that's pretty big. And I think, uh, plays into a decision that, uh, um, you know, I think made a lot of sense for him, him to come back. So it's good to see that, like, like I'm sure a huge part of him coming back was let's get a little bit better. Let's um, get to a draft year. That's down by all accounts and, uh, and improve the stock there. And it's, it's nice. And I don't know if that's exactly what the decision making was. I think that, you know, you could maybe reason that would be um, a huge part of it. Um, But uh, if, if that was, I would say that things are going uh, swimmingly on that front because uh, he, of course, went to this camp, played super well. When Jonathan Gavoni's tweeting about you, that's a good sign. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd say that everything is uh, everything's going well for him and in, in what his kind of ultimate goals are.
0: Yeah, I mean, Florida hasn't even had high school prospects that they're necessarily targeting at these camps, um, right? Very often, I know Jace Richardson is there. Cooper Flag was out there. A couple guys at Florida, Liam McNeely. A couple guys that Florida either had on campus, Richardson and McNeely, or hope to get on campus at some point, you know, even if it was hoping against hope, uh, mm-hmm. but, but the names that he's, he's there with Eric are, are really impressive. Um, to, in terms of, in terms of the college player, I mean, it's, you know, uh, he's out there with Reese Beekman. He's out there with Trey Alexander, DJ Wagner, uh, who, you know, anybody that's followed a little bit of what's gone on with Kentucky in the off season, has to be impressed with him, even if you're not still sold on uh, on Kentucky. Grant Nelson, the, who's just transferred to Alabama, was another guy getting a lot of attention. Judah Mintz, who, who nearly went to Florida and then uh, you know didn't um, because Riley Kugel was at Florida, really. It's a lot of the reason that Judah Mintz didn't decide to pull the trigger uh, out there. And, and Kugel certainly getting a lot of attention. One thing that's been pretty consistent has been the improvement of his jump shot, which I think is interesting considering he didn't shoot terribly last year
1: no and i i think it's just it's i yeah you saw people talking about that and it was it was just kind of funny so was like i hey, shot the ball you know pretty well and, and i would say even pretty consistently oh you know over the, the few weeks where he was getting a legitimate um kind of shift but um yeah it's 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 interesting to me because like obviously like yeah you kind of need to shoot the ball at a certain level to um to play at the in the nba but kind of i i don't think that's like a swing skill for for kugel it's not like well if he shoots it he's an nba player like that right I, I, that's really like that's really not it i think for him it's like he's got the the athleticism and and the length and it's kind of proven he shot it well it's not like he needs to shoot it five percent better from three to be an nba player like um it's it's for him i think it's just being um being stronger and being a little bit more of a downhill player like i think everyone including us, like loves the kind of shake and, and, and slipperiness he has to get by guys, but I think everyone would just like to see a little bit more, more explosiveness, um, kind of some straight line kind of, uh, attacking, um, where he doesn't need to use kind of that, that shiftiness and side to side movement. I mean, like, yeah, like with him being the best shooter in the country this year help. I mean, yeah, sure. But it was, it was interesting to see so much conversation about his shooting. Cause like, yeah, it was just, that wasn't really much of a discussion point to me. He's just like, yeah he can shoot the ball well so um but hey i will take uh, i will take the positive uh, the positive reports coming about his jumper
0: yeah no um <laughs> i will too i think it that is a really well said that i'm not necessarily sure that there was ever a situation where we would even characterize him as streaky which i think has been like florida's best scores in recent memory have all been pretty streaky players with maybe the exception of like late in his final season at Florida Trey man, uh, where he shot the ball kind of consistent, but compared to his freshman year, you know, there was this huge leap and that was a big deal for Trey, I think, even with all his athleticism, but I'm not sure that it is with, with Riley, um, as you mentioned, uh, Eric, but certainly it's kind of cool that to see somebody like him, uh, be, be getting attention and poised as maybe one of the breakout players from college basketball because that was kind of what we talked about last year, last week on the the episode, and I kind of felt like, you know, if the criticism of Florida's transfer portal class and the reason it's maybe not number one is that there's not a true star, maybe the like pushback on that is there's a bunch of players to complement the true star that's already on the roster, right?
1: Uh, yeah, maybe, I, I mean, I, I think that that would be
0: sunshine pumping,
1: maybe <laughs> sunshine pumping adjacent, um, maybe not quite pumping. It's, it's, there's, it's, there's not mechanical, um, influence. It's, it's, it's maybe someone yeah. there with like a watering, yeah. you know, can just, just hand bombing some, some of the water, but, uh, it's, it's like, is, is one star enough to win at the level that the Gators are, are trying to win at? Um. I, I would say I would say no. I think that when you see the the way the Gators went after the guys they did, I, I think they like like and again, I think the, I think the Gators went after stars or guys that they think are stars. Whether they are or not, we will debate in the offseason and, and ultimately find out. But I, I don't even think that I don't think right now todd golden or anyone on the staff would tell you oh you know we actually just tried to get a bunch of complimentary players like i don't think that that's what they would tell you and if they did later in the season i would i would not take that at face value so and again it's just like yeah i is yeah i i don't know i i wouldn't say that that was the the game plan i think they tried to go after some 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 big time guys and i think that the way that uh um, you know, even going after someone who has, you know, multiple years, like a Walter Clayton, not, not counting the front court guys, of course, those are different kind of, but I mean, Hey, you could even argue that. Oh, like, do you think it was, I, I don't think they'd say like, oh, well, you know, we like, we could have taken a star, but because we have Riley Kugel, we took edge Jarvis. Who's, you know, more of a uh, guy who plays a role really well. And, and Micah hand in, who's not going to be a star this upcoming season. Even I think for the people that are, and maybe Malik Grady does, I, I don't know, but, yeah. uh, um, yeah. So I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It could certainly work out that well. Like, like again, I had, I had, you know, there was a guy that was at, at the camp who works for an NBA team who told me um, I think he's going to, I think he could average 20 points per game of Florida this year, which to me kind of like, I love Riley Kugel. That kind of made me like that knocked me off my chair. Like, that, yeah. that he's, so like if he's a 20 point per game score in the sec and everyone else is like awesome complimentary players, and yeah. then if they want to say, Oh, well, you know, we just knew that Riley Kugel was going to be that player and we have to compliment <laughs> the players. I don't know. Then then if that if that happens, then you know, I will accept it. But I, I, I just think like if you're a team with the NIL that, that Florida has, um, with the kind of space and 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 everything that Florida's selling, um, yeah, I don't think you say, Oh, we've got one player that, you know, as much as I love Riley Kugel, I don't think you can look at a player that uh, is coming into his second year that had a couple of of really good weeks in the season, and said like, "Well, there's our guy. We just need complementary players." I think they went. I think Florida went and tried to get starts. but I don't know. I, I know you brought it up, kind of like half, like, "Oh, maybe," but I'm interested with. If yeah, you, I mean, like, I
0: wasn't. If you think so? It was. It was a. This is a question a host ask. Hmm. I, you know, lest it be considered a take. <laughs> um, because I think that that that's why I said I I feel like Florida is like kind of. What did I say? Sixth. And I feel pretty... Def- I, I, def- I will defend six this week as well. For example, the only portal ranking of transfers that doesn't have Zion Pullen in the top 50 is 24-7. Like, in every other list of transfers, he was either anywhere from the third best guard available, Evan Maya, to, you know, the top 30, ESPN. So with him at, you know, 92nd, uh, sorry, 79th. um, I don't know why I got 92nd. I'm staring right at it. Um, 79th on 24-7. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't think ranking transfer portal players is really an art. And I also think there's like a pretty heavy UC Riverside's league tax on Zion Pullen that comes from like maybe not watching a ton of film and just being like, man, that team wins maybe 10 games if he's not on it. And instead, that was one of their better teams ever. Um, So, you know, I think he's really, really good. But I've said that on five or six podcasts. So he better be or I'm going to look really
1: dumb. <laughs> yeah, to be, to be honest, this is derailing the conversation entirely. But I actually do wonder, like I'd love to like, like maybe this is even just like Twitter poll material. But I, I would love it from both Florida fans. Also, I would love if there was just like an unbiased like poll we could give out to just like general college basketball fans of like who is a better player, uh, Zion Poland or Walter Clayton, or even who has more star potential in the SEC. I'd be genuinely interested. Um yeah, I think that Zion Poland in a one year scenario certainly has a lot more star power. Um, but I know a lot of people would 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 disagree with that. Um but it's also funny because like Walter Clayton is the guy that I kind of do feel it's like, well you if you have um you know, you have Riley Google back, which the Gators knew. And at the time that they took Walter Clayton, I think they still kind of knew that they were going to land another big name kind of offensive player, which, uh, you know, ended up being Poland. To what to what extent he's star, we'll find out. Um, but like, and it was, and that was a guy where I'm like, yeah, go get like someone who's um, a good defender, who is one of the best catch and shoot players in the country. Like, yeah, you get that guy and then you, you know, you figure out everything else because you kind of know he's going to fit no matter what. Um, so yeah, that, that, that works. But uh, the, the portal rankings are are interesting for sure. I mean, you mentioned like, oh, it's maybe something to do with like not watching a lot of film. Like, I don't think any of these rankings that anyone does has really anything to do with film. And it's just like, because, you know, truly it would be like, who's going to watch film of a thousand guys and try to do somewhat of a, like, even if you ranked like relevant players, like like relevant high major names, like still there's probably like 300 guys that are you know what what was you know Edge Jarvis on a couple of lists I think a couple of had him in the 250s or 300s or something like that or and and you know so like and that's right. a that's yeah. a very relevant player you know what I mean so um, I think there there kind of has to be a statistical element whether it's guys looking at stats on a page and saying like oh, I don't know Ivy League's you know eh, that's a that's okay or whether it's you know something more. Algorithmically generated, like like a like an Evan Maya for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I to be honest, I I kind of love that there's no great way of evaluating transfers, and there's a lot of services out there that teams are paying a ton of money, quite frankly, for. As you can imagine, um, teams really want this information, and I've looked at them, and like quite frankly, I think that some of them that are that costs several thousands of dollars are, are, are terrible, like, quite frankly, terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can, if some of the ones that, um, teams are paying thousands of dollars for, um, I think turn out really badly. And I think you can see every year that there's some pretty bad decisions made by some really, really good high budget teams. Some of it has to do with the services they use. So it's like, if those are bad, like what are 24 seven and ESPN's going to look like, you know, not saying they're, they're horrendous, but you know, and again, I think that we should probably like it'd be fun to look back at some of the rankings from last year and see who's, yeah, you know, see how some of these rankings are. But, uh, yeah, um, I don't even remember how we got on this topic, <laughs> Riley. Riley, like, a, but, <laughs> I, asked
0: a, I asked a host friendly question about mm. you know, Florida's transfer class. I do think that, that the Nike Academy stuff is a good jump into the. The you know brief recruiting recruiting news. Just because Jace Richardson was there, I mentioned. Obviously, Richardson was at Bishop Gorman in in Las Vegas. Is transferring to Christopher Columbus down in Miami. Um, he's going to play with the Boozer Twins there. Um, looks like Florida, Alabama, a couple other schools, kind of at the top of his his list right now. They should get him on campus this fall. Um, Ryan Jones will be on campus this fall. His teammate uh, Sammy Yane, who's his teammate at the Rock in Gainesville, also uh, announces he'll visit. So both the the twin towers uh, for the Rock School headed to to UF for a visit. It's clear that Florida's you know emphasizing bringing in uh, you know a young talented freshman big.
1: Yeah, not. I don't have uh, too many re- recruiting notes, as 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 people know. Um, people will know that I love Sammy Yane. Uh, the two things I will say is recently he's been listed at six nine by a few places, which is interesting because he was always kind of that like six foot seven. Like again, I just refer to him as a Houston big, and I still will. Um, and cause even, you know, I referred to him as a Houston big when Houston was like a top yeah. program now that they're like yeah. in the top five program. Yeah. Now they can go after the six, nine guys, not the six, seven, <laughs> but, um, so I'm interested to see if he's actually six, nine, because you know, for someone who might be best at the five, like those two inches matter to some extent. Um, and then the other thing that's of interest, um, is I, you know, it's not as interesting. I'm like, Oh, that's an interesting time for a player from Gainesville to take an official visit to Florida. Um, but he actually is changing high schools. He's going all the way out to the West Coast. He's going to Arizona to play at um, Compass prep. I'm blanking now. One of the big programs in Arizona. So I did think point. that's I do think that's just like maybe interesting, maybe notable that he is moving across the country. So, like you know, even by by October, it'll be interesting to see like if he's maybe like that's a guy, and you 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 see this sometimes. Um, not with Florida, but other kind of schools in the situation when there's a hometown kid goes away to a prep school across the country, then you get him on that official visit when he kind of comes back to the hometown school. Sometimes it, you know, feels good to be home. So maybe that'll be maybe just a couple months in in, in Arizona and uh, come back to Gainesville on a visit. Um, maybe that makes him, uh, you know, a little bit homesick. Maybe he wants to be back. Um, that's a player I'd really like. I think him and Jones would be a very fun, like, like super high motor high physicality kind of front court like that isn't isn't going to be guys that like want to go and iso in the mid post a whole bunch or anything like kind of guys that know their role um yeah i i think everyone kind of yeah. there's a chance at landing landing both of those guys I think so or both and uh yeah i think that pretty much everyone like like yeah would, would you like a seven footer top 25 player yeah, maybe, but I think everyone would settle for two guys in the six foot eight ish range, given their skill sets.
0: Yeah, one of whom is in the top fifty, the other whom is in the top one hundred. Right, you'd take it, uh, you know. And I, I don't know on Richardson. Like, I still think he's going to go to Michigan State. <laughs> um, you know, like his dad, uh, but we'll see. Um, anyway, his his top five: Alabama, Florida, uh, Michigan State, Cincinnati and um, Arkansas. So interesting group of schools. Wes Miller uh, was the second offer he got, or well, Cincinnati was the second offer he got. Now Wes Miller is among the coaches inheriting the uh, mini Jace Richardson offer since eighth grade. But Florida, of course, will always be the first school to extend a scholarship offer to Jace Richardson second. So we will see um, good for Mike White and, uh, (laughs) Good for this staff for for continuing to chase him. We are here to talk schedule. Uh, and I'm glad that we kind of got some of this other stuff out of the way first because I've been getting DMs about it. It's it's also good to catch up with uh, playoff basketball Eric Fawcett when I can, you know. Um get a big timer on the show. So um, no, that's that's important to talk about. Florida's <laughs> finalized their non-conference schedule. Um, I sent out a tweet. The, that it will be ranked in the top 10 in the country among difficulty, uh, but I like it. And I, I like it because it's not North Carolina schedule, which I think is just dumb. Right? Like, I think, I think what Hubert Davis did is cool because like people are saying it's cool. And I think they're only saying it's cool because they're like UNC and they have like Jordan, you know, on their shirt and all those banners. Like otherwise, like if Florida scheduled like that, and they did some under under Mike White, I would be so irritated. But I think I think Florida's schedule navigates the balance because like there's a ton of opportunities, but there's also like really sensible opportunities, right? Like the Orange Bowl Classic game against Richmond, great opportunity to get a really good win. Also, like, you know, you're still somehow getting that semi you're still getting that neutral floor score in net because it's all the way in Miami. So it's not semi home. Um, you're playing at wake forest, which, you know, not a game you're necessarily going to win, but at, at, worst it's a quad two. at worst. Um, I like, I always liked scheduling Florida state on a weekend as opposed to a weeknight. Um, I think that's super important. Scheduling it on a home football weekend is even better. That was Billy Donovan's formula. I'm glad to see that they've gone back to that um, as opposed to the much of the Mike White era when that wasn't uh, the plan until very late in his tenure. Um, And then multiple games in, in Charlotte, which is very Florida friendly um, which I think is, is excellent. Um, And what I'll say about those games is I think the Michigan game is harder because of what Michigan will present as opposed to what I think Virginia can look like in march but i love the idea of playing virginia in their second game without keehe clark who's been their point guard since like the obama administration right like i think that's uh that's a pretty smart thing to do and a really smart piece of scheduling and when i told someone on the staff i thought that was smart it was funny they said that's exactly what we thought no keehe clark game two let's go
1: yeah i like I don't want to get like into like semantics, but like I I saw when you tweeted Florida's top 10 is gonna have be in top 10 difficulty. And I was curious, I was gonna ask you if you still believe that. You kind of implied you did. Like, so I I, I don't believe I don't agree with that. And part of it is like kind of like the one semantics, just because like the top 30 or 40. Hardest schedules in the country are usually like SWAC schools and and MEAC schools that go out and play like you know ten road game true road games. So like right right obviously it's like so even looking at um, at last year's if I were to pull up Ken Palm and just go by theirs Florida's non conference schedule was thirty eighth in terms of strength of schedule right and they had Florida Atlantic of course they had you know Xavier um, neutral West Virginia, neutral, um, you know, play UConn, um, Oklahoma neutral. So, you know, it's, it's, is, is this schedule harder than, than that one? I, I would say, I would say, no, I don't think just, you know, really quick. Do you think this schedule is harder than I, I ask you, Strap, do you think the schedule is harder than last year's non-conference schedule?
0: I don't, but I think it's, it's smarter. Um, and it probably presents, As many computer opportunities without being murderous. And remember, and I know you know this, but so in case our listeners don't, like this was not Todd Golden's schedule last. Yes,
1: yes, and everyone will remember the uh, the parting gift that that Mike White gave on his on his way out, Um, this (laughs) um, scheduling game with Florida Atlantic that he knew he was not going to play. which was in his right. That's all good. But um, yeah. So, and then, you know, I might like, I do think it's smart to be clear. And I think for given how the sec is, I don't think it's yeah wise to go out and play um, a super hard schedule. And it's like, I, I mean, if I wanted to make an ACC joke regarding North Carolina, it could say like, well, oh, you know, the ACC looks like it could be a two or three bid league. So of course, you, you know, North carolina gonna have to schedule hard. Like if I wanted to, you know, make fun of the ACC, but um, you, you, given that the sec is, is what it is. Um, yeah, I don't think it's it's wise, but um, I do have a con- I do have some concerns about Florida's non-conference schedule. Um, I'm going to bring up um, interesting. The pro- I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up the projected Bart Torvik uh, the projections for the next upcoming season with Florida's non-conference schedule. Um, just some of the games, and I just want you to say whether you think it's like reasonable, too low, or too high. So like Virginia um Torvick has 60th. Do you think Yeah, they're going to is... be
0: they're going to be way better than that. Ignore the Torbik number.
1: Way better than that. Way better. So how can you say how can you say oh look Florida's catching them without their a uh, point guard but they're also Because they are.
0: They are. But but the committee will look at it and if Florida wins they'll have played a top 25 Virginia team who's going to be in the top 25 in March.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I just I just don't know if I think that they're going to be top twenty-five if they're okay. going to not do very well in the conference. Like if they're not going to do very well in the conference non-conference tournament, I don't. I don't think you can say, "Oh, they're going to like oh, like Florida's catching them when they're vulnerable," but also Virginia's going to win all these other non-conference games. It's going to make them a top twenty-five team. And
0: yeah, I, don't I think of well, I mean, we well, okay, they'll pl- I, I understand your point, but I think right, I don't so know I, how long like. Like I'd rather play them in their second game without Kiki Clark than like their sixth or their seventh.
1: Yeah, no, it's 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 fair. Um, Florida State, one hundred fourteenth.
0: That's probably fair. Unfortunately.
1: <laughs> okay. No, I have, I have nothing to say about them. Uh, Pittsburgh, eightieth.
0: Damn. That... Man, Pittsburgh could go a bunch of different ways, right? But uh, it's not a game I hate because I like. If I'm Pittsburgh, let me flip that on its head a little bit, Eric. I like that game for Pittsburgh because yeah. you're you're in New York. You're going to have a lot of Pitt fans probably at that game. The Gotham Gator Club also does a nice job, but they're going to be outnumbered. Like, Pitt, Pitt made a living winning these games last year. Now, I don't know if Jeff Capel can do that again, but – you know, that's why they were in a position to get into the first four and, and win a game.
1: So we'll actually, we'll go into more detail in all these games. So don't feel like you need to. No, yeah, no, not I'm not. I,
0: just, I'm just pointing out like, I don't know. 80th seems a little low, but not like ridiculous.
1: Sure. Um, so then um, where are we at now? Oh yeah. Wake Baylor. Forest, Wake Forest, 60 Well,
0: Baylor, Bay, so if Florida beats Pitt, they get Baylor. Yes, Damn. which is if and, they and, lose the pit, they get Oregon State, which is not helpful.
1: Yeah, so let's let's just skip over that one for now. Yep. And, uh, yeah, and so, yeah, so let's say like Wake Forest, sixty-two.
0: Yeah, but it's a road game, so it's quad one. I, I hey, just uh, I'm just,
1: I, just over ranking. Yeah, yeah, and then and then last would be Michigan, fifty-four.
0: That's probably a little low for me because I I think they'll be a little better than that. Um, and then there's East. Yeah, we've got Richmond um, and East Carolina, East Carolina. I don't know why Florida's playing that game in Lakeland, but whatever, that is a game that can hurt Florida because it's semi home. So just because they're playing in Lakeland for whatever reason, they're playing in Lakeland doesn't mean they can lose to that team. Uh, but I, you know, whatever the Richmond game is, it's another one I think is important. Um, But Eric makes a great point about the top ten schedule thing.
1: Yeah. So just I I, just to recap before I know I took like a little more time. So as as Bart Torvik looks at it, there's one quad one game, and it's 62 Wake Forest. And again, we can nibble on the edges of like like Michigan on a neutral is like four spots out of being quad one. Virginia's not that far out of a quad one, and then of course they beat Pitt. Baylor should be uh, you know unmistakable (laughs) unless disaster strikes. So like, but. there is like a very real possibility to me that the Gators play one, one non-conference quad one game. And I would say a fairly reasonable situation where they only play two, like it wouldn't be like if like losing to Pittsburgh and just missing out on that opportunity, then say one of, one of Virginia and Michigan is, is, is quad one, but the other isn't, that doesn't seem unreasonable. And then, you know, wake holds. So like, That could be three, but I don't know if this is like the star studded, put together uh, a top four protected seeds resume. And again, I still do think it's smart because they're playing so many of these neutrals. Um, But again, I just would come short of saying this, like there's an opportunity that the Gators only play one quad one game in the non-conference. And I can't look at that and say like, wow, this is a really hard non-conference schedule. And um you know, it could work out that they play four quad one games, but that's like kind of optimistic. But if that does happen, then it's like, wow, look at all these quad four games they got by playing like teams that are like 40th in the net. And that'll look really good. Like someone will look at that schedule and be like, Oh look, they actually found like, you know, four quad one games, even though none of these teams were top 25. Like, so there, it it could be super savvy. There's a chance this backfires.
0: There is. There's also a chance that doing it, the like Mike White, Hubert Davis way backfires. Yes. Like, and that's why I brought up UNC because I think there's just the most obvious example. I mean, they open with Radford, they play Lehigh, UC Riverside, they're going to win those games. Um, but at Atlantis, so assuming they beat Northern Iowa, which we can't assume anything with North Carolina right now, but assuming they beat North Northern Iowa at Atlantis, they could play Villanova. They could play Arkansas. They could play Michigan. They could play memphis any of those games could be quad one they get tennessee and chapel hill um which that's part of that accsc challenge but then days after playing tennessee they play uconn uh in new york which is a road game that they're not getting credit for a road game for uh it's gonna be quad one either way but you get the point i'm making they go to atlanta and play kentucky um, they play Oklahoma and Charlotte, so they play a semi-home game against Oklahoma. That could be a quad one, but won't be because they're semi-home. Um, you know, and then that's it. Charleston Southern on New Year's Eve, but like that schedule to me is not intelligent.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that that's taking it too far. Um, uh, and, and I'm not even. And again, I'm not suggesting. I, I think the Gators should do that. But I yeah. just I, I I just, you know, seeing seeing the the some people pointing out that it was a super difficult schedule, I just yeah. would push back on saying that. And again, I don't think you should if you're playing in the SEC do a super difficult schedule. This is what you should do. And like playing East Carolina on a neutral to or a semi home, sorry, as you pointed out smartly, um, to you know, give yourself a a little bit of a of a m- metric boost. Um Yeah, I think that that's that's going to be good. I even think like playing a Merrimack, who I think is going to be like could sneakily be a really good, good team. Like, I mean, you know, like not 340th in the net, but like 240th like that, you know, those are the things that could um, that could be nice. But uh, and, and again, like, we'll we'll see obviously playing like a bunch of top 25 teams last year, especially given the talent that was on that team. Um, didn't end up working well, and I'm glad that you continue to remind that it was certainly not Todd Golden in the staff that had that would have played that style of schedule. But um, uh, yeah, and it's and and of course this is like a good. Um, obviously, it shows some support from the administration to play so many um, neutral games or semi-away games um, because yeah, those probably are not going to be as fruitful uh, financially as just um, yeah. bringing a team into into the Odome and and selling tickets. So uh, it's good to see kind of the support support there and uh I was actually gonna ask you about that Neil where it's it's very obvious that doing all these neutral site games is a way to um boost the resume slash protect yourself I mean if you lose on a neutral site not to a team that you probably should beat not as bad as losing at home of course you're assuming some of that risk because then a win wouldn't be as much but like sometimes avoiding the bad loss is uh is better than you know a slightly better win um but you know the thing that that is hurt is like you know that i think there's a lot of florida fans who are maybe nearby to gainesville who are like oh i don't get to go to as many games um that i maybe have, have been used to going to like um you know what what do you think about the juggling of of, of scheduling smart and uh you know giving your fans something to get excited about a, or, or you know to be, be able to come support especially given that last year was a uh, um the last month or so of the season longer than a month was uh, not particularly well attended. Not a lot of buzzer on Florida basketball.
0: Yeah, no, I, well, I support the, the Donovan era strategy of the neutral floor game in Florida. Like I like that a lot because honestly, I think it's easier to get people to go to like Lakeland from Orlando to see the East Carolina game than to have them come up to Gainesville for it. Like you have a, better chance of getting at least more fans that are into the game and stuff in that scenario, in my mind, um, the Orange Bowl Classic, Florida has always had good support at the Orange Bowl Classic. And, you know, it was off the schedule last year. Uh, Florida was in Tampa, and there were a lot of people there for for Ohio, which was one of the few games where Florida seemed to play well in the non-conference slate, right? So I'm good with that. Two Charlotte games is super interesting. Um, You know, I love the relationship with – jump in. I went last year, the event is marvelous. You know, I, they, I hope that they do that for a long time, uh, it'd be great if the Gators got a shot at North Carolina in it at some point, but you know, I guess that'll be next year because they're kind of out of options on the rotation and they can't have them play Oklahoma because it will be a conference game. So I <laughs> guess we will always play Michigan or North Carolina as long as they have that thing. Um, but yeah. Two was a little, a little fascinating. Um, obviously Gators fans are kind of hoping that it, to your, at one point, <clears throat> let's hope that the ACC is a better league because Florida, you know, as many as four, uh, well, actually it is is four, four ACC opponents on the schedule, Pittsburgh, Florida state, Virginia, mm. Wake Forest. Uh, so the Gators are going to get battle tested against the ACC, which in some years is not battle tested. And in some years is, it just kind of, Depends it's hit or miss. You know, I think to your point, the neutral games really do protect you when you know, you're going to have your quad ones on the road are going to be Alabama, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Texas A&M. Maybe, maybe Ole Miss. We'll see what Chris Beard can do. You know, could be as many as five quad one road games for Florida in SEC play. And then you look at the Florida home schedule and like you figure Alabama's probably still quad one at home, Arkansas, uh, Kentucky, maybe Auburn, um, depending on, you know, what they play like shoot up Maybe Georgia will be a quad one game on the road next year. It, who knows? Uh, we'll see. We'll see what kind of improvements uh, they make. I guess, I guess they're, they're hype right now because they played well overseas or whatever, but you know, so did everybody. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see how that goes, but it does seem safer in this era of the Bahamut, F- Bahamut SEC, Eric, and I don't think that's going anywhere with Texas and Oklahoma headed in next season.
1: No. And, and again, so I think that this is going to be the way that, that Florida does kind of schedule um, that, uh, yeah, it's going to be, you know, try to play some like, like these games, like Richmond, try to get a few more of those that might sneak into a, a, a low quad two and uh, try to make your quad ones like what would be of course ideal if, if, Virginia does end up being like 40th, but is still a game that you think you can win by 12. Like that, you know, that really is the um the game of 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 cat and mouse a little bit that these teams are trying to do. You want teams that are good enough to be resume builders, not good enough that, that you think you're gonna get beat. So um yeah, and and uh, you know, past that I was wondering like I was wondering if you had any more kind of overarching thoughts or if you just want to maybe go game by game, if you have any, you know, kind of quick thoughts on on any of these teams or or longer thoughts on some of these matchups for sure oh no i i
0: mean i love you know i don't i don't know if i need to go game by game yet but i think you know i don't i i love a couple of these matchups i love the scheduling virginia because i'm i'm doubtful that tony bennett fields anything but a top five seed in the ncaa tournament next year you know i just that's how their machine operates yes they lost to Furman. Furman was really good you know, like that's, that's, uh, it's not the end of the world. Furman was really good. Um, you know, I think Pitt was pretty darn good last year. Capel has to kind of hit the jackpot in the portal again, right? Can he do it again? Sure. Um, but historically, he hasn't been able to field multiple good teams in a row. Who knows? But I'd love the shot at this Baylor team. We talked on the last episode about Baylor, like, I don't think anything in Baylor's starting five right now is better than Florida starting five. And I don't think during feast week, like Baylor and that rebuilt backcourt is going to be like anything as ter- near as terrifying as it'll be like late in big 12 play when Scott Drew figures it out and gets that thing rolling. So like, it seems like an enticing game. Um, you know, and I, I, uh, I love the chance to go up and play wake forest, man. Like that's, I don't know how great they're going to be. They did well in the portal again. I think C Forbes runs really good stuff. Um, that should be an interesting game and a challenging one for Florida, but if they can win it, I think it's a quad one in their pocket all year.
1: Yeah. And again, again, I think given that, uh, that that's the case, like I think that uh, like given the schedule is what it is, I think that one really needs to hold for the Gators. Uh, like that one needs to be a quad one for sure. And I, I think it will be for sure. Uh, well, I shouldn't, shouldn't say for sure, but I, I think it will. Um, so, yeah, I'm also just curious. Um, again, I'm not trying to just, like, keep needling at the fact that I don't think the schedule is as, as good as, as you do, but I did I mention. Like I, I like I the did. so so I so, so the highest team that the Gators kind of, like, could yeah. play in non-conference, again, just based off Bartorovic, which, you know, can take with a grain of salt. Uh, Gators are 16th in Bartorovic. By the way, I think that's not where a lot of people would have them, like, listening yeah. to this. Um, so you know, you can take it with a grain of salt. Um, but Baylor's 27th. Um, I'm just curious if you think that um, like, is Baylor or Virginia a better team? And kind of like, are those uh I know you mentioned you think um Virginia's gonna be top 25. What do you think is a better team between Baylor and, and Virginia in your mind? And like roughly where do you think that they would land?
0: So I, I kind of think Virginia might be better just because of Beekman, right? But I don't um I don't know, like, I just don't know enough about this. And that's, maybe that's, you know, it's my fault. I'm I'm a guy on a basketball podcast. I should probably know more about what Baylor is doing to replace those backcourt pieces. But when you lose 96% of your backcourt production, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I Scott Drew is amazing, but it just seems to me like, I'd rather have like honorable mention All-American Reese Me back then have to replace 96% of my backcourt production. What, what's your thought on that?
1: Yeah, like it's it's they're like they're really kind of putting it behind um um Ray J Dennis who like scored a ton of points at Toledo who was like a really really good offensive right. team and yep. then Jaden Nunn from VCU who is like not a Baylor guard for like just you know for lack of a better term like he's he's a great player but like he's like a a bigger kind of physical Maybe even a well. Honestly, he's kind of like a Baylor guard throwing back to like 2017, like that kind of like physical defensive guard. So offensively, like Ray J. Dennis is kind of the guy that you you think of with, um, kind of like those Baylor guards that have been pretty electric recently. So so again, I I just think like again that would be my other response to Florida's you know how hard is Florida schedule? Um, the like the hardest games they could play are are against the Baylor team, who's like we're like oh like might start a couple of mid major transfer guards um and be like really leaning on those guys and like, you know, maybe it's it's Virginia who's figured it out. But like again, I don't think like I like are the are any of the are any Florida's non-conference games going to lead like CBS's um college basketball podcast? Um I, I don't think so. Um are any of them gonna be like top prime time you know inventory on on espn or i you know i don't know who has the rights to some of these games i'll just yeah. you know the placeholder for tv like yeah again i i i that that's just the one thing i miss i don't think the gators have the marquee like the the, the game that everyone's going to be watching i i don't think that the gators have a game and, and everyone kind of knows you know you're watching basketball in march it's uh thursday night or whatever and you know you kick back and like everyone on twitter is watching the same college basketball game and you get that kind of like vibe like i don't think the gators have any of those games and 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 again this is pure vanity it's not necessarily a resume point or something particularly um you know, analytical here, but I do kind of wish the Gators had one game that everyone is going to talk about, especially if if you know this team's going to be as good as it as it could be, or we hope it is. Like you would have loved maybe that opportunity to like really put your stamp on it. And I think like, hey, if the Gators beat Virginia by thirty, or they end up playing Baylor and they win by thirty, maybe that's like yeah. something that 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 kind of registers nationally. But I just don't even I, I don't know if like beating Michigan who's a lot of people aren't particularly high And I want to talk about Michigan next to see what you think about them. No, so um, I like but...
0: I, I I like the Friday night with Virginia too for that reason. Mm-hmm. Just cause like it's Friday night, it's the second game of slot of the season. It's seven PM. It's ESPN. So you don't have to worry about college football. Um, I mean, you're in a there probably will be a college football game on Friday, <laughs> November 10th but basketball gets the ESPN stage, you know, and, and yeah, they have big men, you know, they have Isaac McNeely, who I think came on late in the year. Um, but really he's riding, he's got a couple top 100 recruits, which is different for, for Tony Bennett. Um, and then Dante Harris was really the big guy that they got in the portal. Uh, the Georgetown transfer who, who can do a little bit of everything. He's really a kind of a Virginia player. Um, and then Jacob Groves, who might be the ultimate Virginia player and has mm-hmm. just absolutely murdered Florida f- for a living. Um, so he was another guy came over from Oklahoma in, in the portal, left Porter Moser to go play for, like, the other Porter Moser. Um, you know, the guy's got a type, right? Um, but that – you're right. Like, it's not – now, I don't think – I don't know how many people watch Virginia basketball, like, expecting to be – You know, it reminds me of the the gladiator scene. Are you not entertained, right? Mm. But but, uh, I do think I do think at least it's a spotlight game, Um, and maybe Florida Michigan is at the Jumpman, just because that's a different one where there is no college football. It's a Tuesday night. Uh, There could be a bowl game somewhere, but I doubt it because ESPN and Jumpman and Charlotte. uh, You know, you get your own thing there, and then and then you're dealing with Michigan, so. That that's fun because of the platform that Florida gets. Um, I think the question there is like, what? I mean, what do you think of what what Michigan has coming in? I, they obviously underachieved
1: last season. Well, and, and they didn't do super well in the portal. I mean, it was kind of a story of the off season that they were going to land some big names and, and kind of academics got in the way. So that's kind of like a, a bigger conversation than I care to have on this podcast right now. But uh, they are one school that said like, hey, I know that this you know whole whole college sports thing is is pretty big business, but we're actually going to kind of put our foot down about being an institution first and having the academics matter because that's the Michigan brand and they uh, they didn't do very well in the transfer portal. So they're really like leaning on Doug McDaniel, who's like this really small undersized guard, um, kind of in the T.A. Clark kind of mold, but I wouldn't say it's T.A. Clark. Um, um, but but th- th- I am really interested because, you know, I was someone who thought that the Gators should take Jalen Llewellyn. Um, as a point guard last year over Kyle Lofton. Um, Jalen Llewellyn did not play particularly well in the first two weeks of the season for Michigan and then got hurt and is out for the year. I, I think he's healthy and and is going to be kind of good to go, but I'll be interested to see him because I know some people, I know I thought you, I think you agreed um, that you were more of a Jalen Llewellyn guy than a Kyle Lofton guy. Um, but uh, yep. I, you know, if some, if someone wanted to say, look at you guys, you're wrong. You could point to how Jalen Llewellyn played to start. Mm-hmm start the season last year. Um, but ultimately he started, and then he started to play better and then got hurt and was out the whole year. So I'll be really interested to see Jalen Welland, but like this is a game to me like, like it seemed like last year there were so many games in non-conference and then conference where it was kind of like, hey, you know, Florida, if you want to be serious, if you think you're an NCAA tournament game, you have to win this game. And just yeah. like, they continually didn't. Like I look at this Michigan team and like I really do think the Gators should win this one. You know, and I it's and it's it's hard whenever you're playing another, you know, non-conference games are tough. Neutral site games are tough, but like, I do look at this Michigan roster and like, this is a game where like, I think the Gators should win. Yeah. By, you know, multiple possessions. And if they don't, um, unless Michigan's better than I think, I think Michigan is going to be okay. I think they are like a middling, you know, four seed in the NIT type situation. But yeah, curious if you have any thoughts on that one. And yeah,
0: you kind of, I was going to compare it to the Oklahoma game last year at that same Mm. event. Like I just look, when you looked at Oklahoma's roster last year, you were just like, why is Florida not beating these guys? And I think when you look at Michigan's roster, you know, other than some gut feeling that you have that, you know, this staff is going to fix it up and they're going to do better next season, which I think is okay. And kind of fair. Um, But they don't really have – they don't have anywhere near the roster, especially after the Caleb Love situation. Um, You know, again, he's going to have to ride freshman. Uh, They did get the kid from Tennessee, Nakamoa, right, Um, uh, who's who's okay. Uh, Good player, but not really a needle mover, right? Certainly not a star. Uh, Yeah, I think it's a game Florida really, really should win. So I am with you on that. I did want to – Unless you had anything else on some of these non-conference games, I did want to—I I, I I, wanted to have some fun with the with the Feast Week stuff. So let's let's see what you. I'll I'll,
1: I'll do I'll do just two two more uh, takes really quickly. Love it because Love I have it. a very I have a really Neil take and then something just unrelated. <laughs> um, take. I, I'm you'll 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 hear it when it comes. Um. So this is the not Neil take, but um. I think Merrimack is going to be a super fun game. Um. For anyone who doesn't know, Merrimack plays like a hundred percent two-three zone, so they're just like. And they just made the leap um, from Division Two a couple of years ago. And, of course, with the transition rule, um, couldn't make the NCAA tournament. But, like, they won their league, like, twice and won the league tournament. And um, they should like they should have been in the NCAA tournament twice. And, like, that's a team that I feel like maybe could have won a game just based on their – like, they play a 2-3 zone, but they play it very strangely. Um, and they play, like, a lot of different looks out of it. Kind of like Syracuse, <laughs> how, like – they, yeah, you know, they, they're committed to the two three zone, but they have like four different looks out of it. So, like, Merrimack is like an interesting game to schedule because it could be like majorly frustrating. Um, you know, they don't, they're not loaded with athleticism. That's a problem. But, uh, um, that's just like a fun one I wanted to, to note that, you know, I kind of mentioned that, like, out of pure enjoyment, I kind of wish the Gators had a certain quality of game before. I will, I will give them, I'll give them full, um, full marks for making a very interesting kind of game that like I can get excited about. And I think people will, will really kind of enjoy if, if not for head coach Joe Gallo, just being awesome and, and really kind of surprising teams. um, And then the one, this is like the Neil take the game right before Christmas. um, They play Grambling state and uh, Grambling state beat Colorado, who was a decent team and they beat Vanderbilt last year and Vanderbilt kind of had their way with the Gators twice and Grambling state beat them. So, of course, lots of turnover. Like you know, this is as as such happens at the mid-major level of college basketball. But I am curious if you think that there is any um, any upset potential there you always point out the games that are right around christmas as the ones that could be kind of overlooked and the gators have a team or you know the gators are playing a team that did something that's you know the gators couldn't do with two tries last year and that's beat vanderbilt so yeah curious if you Ooh. just I'd had a chance to look at that one at all or Man. um that just that seems like one you would have highlighted
0: <clears throat> no i like that that's definitely a that is definitely a neilish take i appreciate that mm-hmm. um that's a good that's a good shout so i kind of like the one I was more more worried about, and I, I probably just just because I need to take a longer look at that, uh, Eric is Richmond. Um, just because, okay. So the last time Florida played Richmond in the Orange Bowl Classic, they lost. Um, <laughs> so you know that Richmond has as a program with Chris Mooney has gone down there and beaten Florida before, um, and then uh, they returned some pieces from a team that beat Drake by forty. Now they also lost some games that they shouldn't have lost, but when you beat that Drake team, the way that they did, like, you know, you never know, like they could just get it all together. They signed a kid um, from Olympiakos, which is a good club in Greece. Uh, Ryan, that. Ryan Sulis, who's six foot nine and shot 44% um, for the Greece U18s uh, from three. Um, so kind of a silky little stretch guy that I think will be hard for Florida to defend. That's also like the worst shooting gym. Like there are three people ever in the history of humankind that have shot the ball well at the orange bowl classic. And like all of them are either like from South Florida or went to Richmond. So like, you know, like I could totally see like some freshman just going on a heater and Florida hitting nothing and that game getting dicey.
1: No, I like that. I was just checking in to see. It looks like there's um, two starters are back for um, uh, for Grambling State, and then their sixth man. So not quite, not exact, not exactly the team that was able to knock off okay. Colorado still, and Vanderbilt. But I, I kind of thought, you know, you see so much turnover at that level, so for sure. Um, so okay, we got a couple of uh, couple of <coughs> upsets. You know,
0: upset alerts.
1: alerts. I, I mean to be like, I'll still say the game. Like you know, if I had to. You know, if I was a, a betting man, um, which I'm not, but if I was, I would say like, you know, I'd still take the Gators comfortably in both those. I'm not like that convinced, um, but like if one happened, hey, you you kind of heard it here first uh, how it could uh, how it could maybe happen.
0: If I was putting a cool ten mil on the Ryder Cup, no, I'm kidding. Mm. Um, <laughs> we we record as as Phil Mickelson's uh Oof. heel turn takes <laughs> yet, takes you yet another uh left turn down villain villain avenue um so let's do some feast week real quick because you know i love to do feast week um seven events have announced their fields let's start with uh the jimmy v classic which isn't actually a feast week event it always kind of gets its own time it's in december um i love it we got yukon and unc and then uh the FAU Illinois game. Shout out to Dusty May and the the boys for getting an invite to the Jimmy V Classic, man. How fun is that?
1: Yeah, it was cool. I, I, you know, heard Dusty talking just about how, um, and I told the story on this podcast too. Um, I'll just kind of reiterate the story from from last year um, for those of you who might be new to the podcast, but there, there literally is like a forum and it looks like the kind of forum that you'd go to, to like get mad about Florida's, you know, offensive play calling and football. Like it's just, it it just looks like any other forum and (laughs) coaches are able to go and like try to schedule games on this forum. And it really, it truly looks like, you know, start a topic. Um, Yeah. Hey, this is coach Blackman. I am trying to schedule a game for, you know, the week of December 10th to 17th, (laughs) you know, willing to travel or like, Oh, I can buy anyone. Here's my budget. Like it's like a straight forum, And like, Last year, like up to like the middle of the season, like Florida Atlantic was like active on the forum trying to get games for this upcoming season because like they weren't good enough that like high major team, like it was like that mix of like they were too good. The teams that want to schedule them, but not good enough that it was like they thought it would be a quad one game. Um, so they were like struggling to schedule anyone last year. And, uh you know, fast forward to this year. And I, I actually had the fear that just like no one was going to play them this year. And I'm really glad that, like, they actually are getting, like, multiple really good games. So I absolutely think that's um, going to be one to watch. And I, I also do want to ask you, you can comment on Florida Atlantic. I'd love you to, but I'm also going to ask you, like, I think that a lot of people think that UConn is kind of has the best, maybe the best chance at repeating as champions. Since Florida did it, are you like like one? Do you think that like how much of a possibility do you think that is? And two, would you be like secretly cheering for it to not happen so that uh, that the Gators could still be the only back to back or the most recent back to back? Or like, what do you think? What do you think about uh, about UConn this year?
0: Hey, I always cheer. I always like to think of you know Joe Kim and the boys popping a, a you know bottle of champagne or whatever uh, when the when the former champion goes out. Like I'll believe it when I see it, man. You know, I, I don't, here's what I'll say. Like, I think, I don't think UConn's going to repeat. I do think that they're going to win another national title under, under Hurley. Like they clearly have an idea of who they want to be in a direction now. Um, and I think staying power in the sport. So I don't think that they're going to go anywhere really. Um, it wouldn't stun me if they were, you know, it, let's put it this way. I think they'll be back in the sweet 16, but winning six games or in a row again, it's just so hard, man.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's funny every season, anytime anyone predicts, you know, anyone to be like the clear title favorites, cause it's just like, it just seldom happens. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe when, you know, with the team that, that Villanova brought back, um, not going down twice in a row, but like their most recent national championship going into that year, a lot of people were like, "Oh, I think this is the best team," and ultimately they were. But it's even just so hard to predict at any time. So it's like, you know, will UConn be in the mix? Like for sure. I just don't think I'd ever really predict. You know, I, I struggle to predict if I had to say who I think is going to win the national championship any year. It's it's hard to hard to say. Um, you know, will there be a part of me that is cheering? Uh, um, like like if it like gets to like the elite eight and UConn's in it, will I secretly be cheering for? UConn to lose, <laughs> I, like I actually don't think I I will. Yeah, I don't either. It also, it also would be like you know, but I'm sure there'd be there, I'm sure there'll be some Florida. Fans there, there will be a like, lot of Florida. I, I I'd be interested too, and uh, yeah, uh, people can you know create the show and, and and find out. And and uh, I don't know if you saw Neil too. This is just kind of unrelated, but of course, like Dan Hurley had his thing about how he was kind of like turning over a new leaf and wasn't going to be like as fiery as he once was, and, and
0: <laughs> you know that was
1: the whole story. I don't know if you just saw, but they just had like uh they said next in overseas exhibition and he like took his guys all back you scream at the refs and like took all his guys back to the bench and kept saying that they were just gonna leave the game and not play because the officiating was so bad so yeah um, <laughs> i yeah i i <laughs> yeah, I, 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 don't, I I think you know we might see some stretches of some cool down hurley but um and i, I hope he does to be honest i i'm not a big fan of coaches that um no. have that demeanor, and i would like hurley you know i like him a lot more when he was in his like mode of being chill for the times he was this totally. year so I, I hope he can you know do that but unfortunately his uh, behavior this summer is, has not been kind of in that direction um, <laughs> but yeah anyways uh yeah next, 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 next year. oh and yeah i think they're gonna beat unc i have no uh no- <laughs> <laughs> yeah no my no takes on that matchup
0: so there's the two uh south carolina tournaments um south carolina is not allowed to have multi-team sporting events more than two teams during the week of Thanksgiving. So oh. some law. Uh, so um no comment. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no comment on any of South Carolina's laws. But uh, the <laughs> they do have the Shriners, Children's Charlton, Charleston Classic. The field is uh, St. John's, North Texas, Dayton, LSU, Houston. Towson, Utah, and Wake Forest. So I think kind of a cool uh, a cool field. Um, I love the idea of of Rick Patino bringing his team there. Uh, New Look LSU, uh, Dayton and Anthony Grant, they always seem to play well at these events. And then Kelvin uh, Sampson. Um, so, you know, maybe one of the more interesting little feast week tournaments.
1: Yeah, that is uh, New Look North Texas uh, for sure as well. Um, yeah, I, I think that's um, yeah, it's good. Good pointing out that like it seems like Dayton plays really well in these non-conference tournaments, and then like doesn't play super well in conference right. at a at right. a conference that's like no longer good enough that that works. Like it, like it just seems like every year in January, it's like Dayton's on the bubble, but like
0: they beat Kansas. Yeah, and, you know they're
1: <laughs> yeah, and and we look in January and they're on the bubble, but like they're like not in the first four, like maybe the next four, right. and then by the time selection it comes around, they're like nowhere close. Right. Uh, So uh, that'll be interesting to to see for sure. Um, And I think, again, just like St. John's, like I will say, I think that Rick Pitino is incredible. I I was kind of the guy, too, that was like, you know, as soon as he went to a high major team, even when he had like zero players on the roster, like if you had like if you had to like say like, Eric, would you bet that they're top 25 this year? I would have been in the like the blind faith category. I did think they would do a little bit better in the portal. And I'm genuinely curious. I, I, and again, I'm always curious when this happens, how much of it was like recruiting and NL related and how much was like evaluations. You know what I mean? Like how many of these guys were like, I always wonder like what schools take the best players they can and which players or sorry, which teams take the best players they can and which teams um, are taking guys that they think is, are, are going to fit because I don't like a ton of, I shouldn't say a ton. I don't like some of the, some of the gets that they had, um, so I'm interested to know if they just got the best players they could or if it was a situation where these are the evaluations. And as much as I trust Patino as a coach, I'm not sure his evaluations, we just haven't seen him have to like, you know, not just get the best kind of players he could because obviously at Louisville, he did and even at Iona, he got like, like he out-recruited that league instantly. So I'll be interested there. I'm curious your thoughts, Neil. What are your thoughts on yeah. what you're, if you know, if it's, it's hard to have expectations. Uh, you know, screw it. I'll say, I think that, say St. John's is going to have several weeks in the top 25 and yeah. maybe end the season in that kind of range. Curious what your thoughts are on, on St. John's. And like, to me, it's like St. John's is certainly appointment television early in, in non-conference. Oh, yeah. so, no, like I, that's a team that I'm going to be seeking out.
0: Yeah. I think that they're definitely a top 25 caliber uh, team and roster. And, and I agree with you. I think it's just one of the best coaches in basketball, not just in college basketball. So um, I think I think they're gonna they're gonna be good, and it'll be really really fun to see them in in a quality field. Um, and it is a better field than the Myrtle Beach Invitational, Eric, which has uh, Charleston, who last year won their home Charleston Classic, and the reward was not getting to play in it this year. Um, <laughs> Vermont, St. Louis, uh, Wyoming, uh, Wichita State, Coastal Carolina. Liberty and Furman. I think Furman here is really interesting. Um, Obviously, Liberty is kind of the class of the Atlantic Sun. Pretty good mid-major program. But Furman, three starters back. The ever-so-sneaky top 25 recruiting class. Wow. (laughs) Um, And uh, 31 wins last year. Bob Ritchie said, I stayed because I want to win. I don't care about money, Uh, which was a wild take. Uh, in in this day and age, um, and I'm not saying wild and like I don't respect it or I think it's dumb, but just not something you hear. Uh, will be cool to see them play almost at home in the Myrtle Beach Invitational.
1: Yeah, I, I you know, knowing the a, a real academia side of these things is, is not a strength, but I'm pretty sure Furman is private, and no one actually knows what Richie makes. But yeah. he he has said no to bigger jobs for sure. Yep. That makes over me think now. So, like, I don't know if he's at the, like, Pat Kelsey, like, million dollars a year. I, <clears throat> I don't think that's the case. But I'm sure he is compensated very well and is probably kind of invincible. Like, he's been so consistently good that, like, well, I don't think they're going to be bad this year. I think they're going to be really good, like you mentioned. If they were to lose this year and, like, even lose next year, like, I don't know. Like, that's not a guy they're firing. So, I think he's kind of bulletproof. And yeah. uh, they, just, they, they just had... Um, they just had huge, um, they had, they had donors give massive money to um, renovate their gym and their practice facility. And in the NIL age, NIL comes first. So if they got millions upon millions upon millions of dollars to renovate their gym, I'm going to guess they were doing real well in NIL as as well. Not that they're, they're, takes were like you know scream oh look they they snatched this high major guy so maybe i'm not saying they have millions of dollars because then you know they're they'd be a high major team but i i i think that they are probably going to do very well with nil i think that they are going to continue to be a force i'll be interested to see what richie does part of me wants him to try to make you know I know everyone just uses Gonzaga as they're like, oh, they'll make like East Coast Gonzaga or Southeast. Like, you know, that's that. I'm not saying that th- th- that bars, you know, that's pretty high. Um, but, you know, it'd be cool to see him just, you know, stay there forever. And, and you know, Kelsey, I think is making a million dollars at College of Charleston um, with his extension. Um, I think that's pretty cool. I kind of hope he stays there for a while. I hope that, you know, Richie can find a way to make a million dollars a year and stay at Furman. I think that that'd be super cool, though. I, you know, don't know how long it is. But um, yeah, anytime Furman's there. Um, you know, we'll be watching. That's for sure. Um, It also is just a reminder that I've always dreamed of like, I thought it would be so cool if like the Gators, um, if they hosted a, and an, like you see, you see like called like Charleston hosts the MTE that's uh, often called the of Charleston doesn't play in, And it's like, there's a couple other schools that like have MTs that they don't even play in. And I just think it would be incredible if, if Florida hosted an MTE in Gainesville, that was like all fun mid major teams. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I just think that would be immensely fun. How many people would they get out to that? I'm not sure, but you look at some of these MTEs and they get like 300 people a game. So yeah. I think that, you know, I think that the Florida fans, like especially ones that would listen to this podcast and and love just watching really fun mid-major teams, like Florida Gulf Coast, new new coaching staff, they have a really fun team this year. Yeah, um, I think they're like, could you, you know, North Florida is always fun. Could you get like florida gulf coast and and north florida and just get a couple like fun teams like that get nova southeastern from the division two ranks just because it would be super fun and right you know, like I, I just i would love for florida to just host a super fun mte and the gators don't even have to play in it um odds of this happening extremely low extremely low <laughs> but uh I, I i joked with some people when there was when they they wouldn't flip the camera to see the rowdies, and it was a money situation that I was like, "Oh, the Gators should just should host an MTE. People who want the camera flipped will will buy a hundred dollar pass for the weekend, and that'll be the fundraiser." And uh, you know, bing bang boom. But uh, <laughs> yeah, just just more out of the uh, out of the, out of the vibes of it all. You know, I love that, it putting that into the ether. Have the yeah. Gators do a Charleston host an MTE that they don't even play at.
0: There are four, well, three NCAA tournament teams at four, from last year. Vermont uh, Charleston and Furman at that, at at that MTE and Myrtle beach plus Liberty who's won five straight conference championships. So pretty neat little event. Um, the next one we'll briefly chat about. We've already talked about is the NIT, um, that in Brooklyn at the Barclays center, uh, Baylor, Oregon state, Florida, and Pittsburgh, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and say, I think the Gators are the favorite here. Baylor will be the media favorite. Um, thanks to Jalen Bridges, uh, you mentioned Ray J. Dennis, big time scorer. Jacoby Walter, the McDonald's All American, um, heading in to Baylor as well. Uh, a lot of talent on the floor. Maybe Riley Kugel, the the best player in the final.
1: It's just crazy to me. Like, and again, this is maybe something I shouldn't admit on a podcast, but like, I have never known less about high school recruiting. Like, it's just, and I feel like that's not just a me thing. I just feel like. Um, and I'm not like, not Florida related, but I just feel like there was a time even like five or six years ago that a lot of just college basketball fans would know that like, oh, this player's headed this, this five stars headed here. You could probably, you know, most people would know where most of the five stars are. It's just like in an older, um, NCAA, it's just like, these guys just don't register the same. And like, you know, I remember like a couple being like, oh, look at Notre Dame. They got, you know, Van Allen Lubin. And, and it just like, you know, we saw what happened there and that's not the only five star that just like kind of fell a little bit flat just because yeah it's just you know it's a different world where everything's older so i it's just funny that I like as you say that i, I was reminded but in that you know i talked about baylor before and didn't mention them they're all they're, they're american because i forgot about it um i just but i knew but i sure as hell knew their transfers from the mid-major level i'll tell you that much so it's funny to see how things have changed but um yeah i'll be interested to see if you know even by that time if the gators will be the betting favorite um i think that um baylor is like very obviously the you know, quote unquote media favorite because they play Oregon state first, um, yeah. who is probably going to be another, you know, a sub 200 net team again. So actually this is the last thing I was going to say about Florida schedule. And just, this is really brief because now we're tying in like, yep. is the Pittsburgh game the most important game on Florida's non-conference schedule? Because it means the difference between an opportunity at Baylor and, or, or, or playing a sense like a mid-major team essentially in Oregon state. So like, like,
0: when I looked at the schedule last year, like, and you and I agreed on this on the schedule show that that Xavier game was so mm. important, and it ended up being like weirdly not as important because like they got a shot at West Virginia and just got destroyed. Yeah, you know, um,
1: UConn was better than we
0: thought. UConn, yeah, was obviously just insane. <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say like Michigan or Pittsburgh are kind of the games that you really think you ha- you have to win.
1: Yeah, if someone wants, like, I'm just trying to think, like, I, I kind of just, like, thought that, oh, is the Pittsburgh game the most important? And, like, yeah. I think it could be. So, yeah, that'll be a – and, you know, I certainly think Florida-Pittsburgh is objectively a more interesting game than Oregon State-Baylor. So, um, it'll be the most uh, – out of those two games, just to, to open it up, I do think that the Florida has the more intriguing matchup.
0: The Vegas showdown is actually Thanksgiving uh, Eve and Thanksgiving – Um, Thanks to the good people at Continental Tires, you can wash down your turkey with NC State, Vanderbilt, BYU, and Arizona State. This is not as good as the Vegas showdown field last year, Eric.
1: Can you say those teams again? Sorry. NC
0: NC State, State, Vanderbilt, Arizona State, and BYU. I'm going with BYU to win this tournament.
1: I don't know. You see Quez Glover just uh, will reopen his commitment. Does that change your, uh, no, no more, no more Quez Glover at BYU. He, uh, yeah. it actually does. Yeah. It he's, actually... uh he's, I think he, I think he stated, I shouldn't say this. I don't know if this is, I should, I. I, I <laughs> no, no comment, but uh, yeah, he is. He is yeah. Back the, uh, he's back in the portal.
0: Man. I don't know. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Bombshell Quez Glover. Yeah. NC state,
0: maybe NC state um just because they have the most continuity even though they don't have a ton of continuity
1: (laughs) that's that's totally fair um I you know what I I
0: this this is a this this field is like the one I just wanted to make fun of and move on but uh, I'm in
1: I I think I'm in on Vanderbilt this year okay once again I wish I was in on them last year i don't even here's here's the thing though i don't even know what being in on vanderbilt means necessarily so don't ask me to like quantify what it means Um, (laughs) but i will say abstractly that i am i am in on vanderbilt and when i see a a field like that of a couple hot seat teams and a byu team that's just lost you know one of their presumed kind of top guys um yeah yeah, I, i i just i i think stack and uh you know, Obviously, they returned to Tyron Lawrence, which was massive, and got Van Allen Lubin, who we talked about previously. Um, yeah, I, I will not quantify it, but I am in on Vanderbilt this year. So give me Vanderbilt to make some noise in this one.
0: And let's close with uh, maybe – I don't know if it's the most fun. I'm not going to say that for sure. But but it's, it's certainly the one I think that the most attention will be on from a national standpoint and not for the reasons you'd think i.e. the presence of blue bloods at the ESPN events invitational down at Disney World. The field is Penn State, Texas A&M, Butler, Iowa State, Virginia Commonwealth, Boise State, Virginia Tech, and Florida Atlantic. All Mm. eyes, all eyes will be on the owls, my friend.
1: Yeah. Can you say, can you say that field one more time?
0: I would love to say that field one more time, Penn State, Texas A&M, Butler, Iowa State, Virginia Commonwealth, Boise State, Virginia Tech, Florida Atlantic.
1: Yeah, that really, that really is kind of like all eyes because I feel like there's a lot of teams that aren't super, like it's got, you know, it's got some of those like not particularly interesting, um, kind of high major teams, um, and uh, yeah, so it's it's going to be Florida Atlantic, again, pointing out they've got several really good games. Hey, I bet if you're, you know, there's going to be people listening to this podcast that live in South Florida. I bet it's going to be a lot tougher ticket this year to get to Florida Atlantic. Yeah, but if you can, you should get out there and support Dusty May. Another guy that I like think would be cool. If, well, that I'm in between thinking it would be cool if he stays at Florida Atlantic and, and also wanting him to, to go elsewhere. Um, so yeah, you can definitely, I forget if you talked on Florida Atlantic earlier, if you have any thoughts. Um, I also think that that Boise state is is actually going to be really good this year. I thought they were a fun watch last year. Um, they bring back um, a couple of pretty good pieces. I forget where they ended exactly, but they were also, they were always kind of in that top 75 kind of mix. And of course the, you know, mountain West uh, proved to be a, you know, pretty well performing, uh, League um, in postseason play. So, uh, Boise State, also a team that I think is going to be very fun.
0: Yeah, they're on the other side of the bracket. So, I like this semifinal oh. game. I like this semifinal game with FAU and AM. Um, you know, AM returns everybody, really. Um, that, you know, other than Dexter Dennis, anybody that mattered last year is back. They added uh, Eli Lawrence, who is a nice player from Middle Tennessee. Um, That was kind of their big portal edition. Eric wrote about the portal over Gator Country, all the SEC teams in the portal, but it'll be pretty fascinating to see Wade Taylor IV, Julius Marble banging against that FAU group. Um, And and that's like a really big time semi. And you could have either a Texas A&M Boise final or a FAU Boise final. That wouldn't surprise me at all. And I think would be really fantastic
1: basketball. Yeah, I I am. A, this is not hot take, but I'm you know I'm in on Texas A and M um, for sure. I think this is just too many years of them being better than we think in a row. And uh, I'm let me give you an over under, but I don't think there's going to be a lot of value on this one. Um, Texas A and M is currently tenth in Bart Torvik's predictions. That is tenth um, in the country. Do you think Ooh. you know? Um, <laughs> I I don't, I don't think you're going over on that one. Probably not a lot of value, but like, do you think they're anywhere in that kind of, you know, realm? Do you think they could be, you know, an elite eight team this year? Um, or is that just, you know, that, that too rich for you?
0: Uh, I mean, I, you know, you know, I love Buzz Williams. Um, I was stunned at how bad they played in the NCAA tournament. Stunned. Um, I don't think that'll happen again. I'll put it that way. Mm. I think I think this Sweet 16 is possible. I still look at them, maybe kind of the way you look at Florida, like, and I look at Florida actually, is that like I'm not sure who like, like the transcendental player is that makes you a lead eight Final Four title good. Right? Because even like Kansas State doesn't get to the final four, had Keontae Johnson, Big 12 player of the year. And Marquis Noel, right? Like, I don't think we all knew Marquis Noel was, like, exactly that kind of player all year, but we kind of did. Um, I mean, Wade Taylor is great, man. But I don't know if he's, like, SEC Player of the Year. Like, I'm just going to take over the game great.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting, especially kind of seeing that, like, for a couple games last year, like, the Gators just could not guard Wade Taylor or Tyrese Stratford. You know, like just no one had any success keeping those guys out of the paint, and those right. guys are back. So it's like I could just see a situation like it. You know, I I don't think you'd have to squint to imagine like them winning a Sweet Sixteen game where those guys combine for like, you know, thirty points and just not 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 nothing crazy. Like they combine for like thirty four points and like eleven assists between the two. Like and it's maybe not a situation where one of them, you know, goes off for 24, but just like between them, you're just like, Oh man, we couldn't like, Oh, those guys, it doesn't seem like any of those guys like went off, but like between the two of them, they are just like, someone was getting into the paints on every, every possession. So I feel I, you know, like give me Texas AM and to, to win that, um, win that event. And, uh, and then the last question I'll ask you just, that's overarching about college basketball and, and what we're talking about. We mentioned Florida Atlantic several times, uh, like where do you put, like, Where, where media is going to put Florida Atlantic to start the season is like, this is, (laughs) this is in an unprecedented world. um, This is an unprecedented situation um, where you have got like a Florida Atlantic team from the final four, bringing back everyone to a school like Florida Atlantic, who is also making a jump in league. Um, yeah, Yeah. Like there's like a massive range where I think it would be appropriate, like even for the AP poll to put them to start the season. I won't even, I'm not even going to ask you where you think Florida Atlantic will finish or like approximately where they'll finish unless you want to say, but where do you even think Florida Atlantic should, or in your mind, like if you had an AP vote, like where do you put Florida Atlantic to start the season?
0: I would put them like 12th or 13th. I think, I think they're a second weekend team. Um, and I'm, I mean, I'm almost giving away where I think they finish by where I put them, but that's where I'd put them. I wouldn't be stunned if they won that event in Orlando at all. I'm with you. I think Texas A&M is going to win. it. Wade Taylor was two of 15 with four turnovers in the NCAA tournament. And if you don't think that kid who you and I have watched play for multiple years, and I think both agree is one of the best players in the SEC. If you don't think he remembers that he was two of 15 with, four turnovers in the NCAA tournament and like, isn't wearing that like a giant size chip on his shoulder playing for buzz Williams. (laughs) You got another thing coming, man. But those are the types of teams that I think are going to beat Florida Atlantic this year. Like teams that not only have like good talent that can hang with what FAU brings back, but can also sort of match FAU's grit and cohesiveness. Um, And like, because I think there are a lot of intangible things that are gonna help FAU win win a bunch of games, um, you know, after they get used to being the hunted. But it's gonna be interesting. I I think they're gonna end up in the top ten to start the season, and I don't I think that's too high.
1: Well, like honestly, like I like I'm sure there's gonna be some AP voter that puts them like fourth, and there's gonna be people who say that's that is ridiculous. But if someone wanted to do that and they wanted ammunition to defend that, like, they finished 17th in Ken Palm. Like, could you imagine, like, if it wasn't Florida Atlantic on their chest, it was Kentucky. If Kentucky finished 17th in Ken Palm, and they returned every starter, like, that would, like, everyone would have them first. If it was, if it was, maybe that's not a good example. If it was Iowa State, if Iowa State finished 17th in Ken Palm, and brought back five starters, I bet that there would be some people who would want to put them first overall or like second or third or fourth. So if you wanted, and, and you could even, if you wanted to even more genuine, you could say, okay, like, you know, I get it. They got hot. They got some favorable matchups. They got up to 17. They finished 29th in Ken Palm. So like if, or sorry, they entered the, the, the they entered the sec, i sorry, the sec, the NCAA tournament 29th in Ken Palm. And you could even say again, if, If Texas A&M was 29th in Ken Palm and finished, finished 29th in Ken Palm and returned five starters, like there'd be people that would want to put them like, you know, top five, top six, top seven. So like, if honestly, like if someone wants to do that with Florida Atlantic, I actually think they have a reasonable argument to do that. I would not do that. I would be... Oh, where you put them, but like, yeah, if someone wants to go crazy and put them forth, like, I honestly think they have somewhat of yeah. an argument to do I, so. So, um yeah, it's interesting. So, if you want to make that comments on that, then I'll have, I'll actually, I have one more question for you. No, That'll I mean, really I like quick.
0: No, I mean, I love your logic on that. Like, the logic on that is is super sound. Um San Diego State went twenty two and twelve in twenty nineteen. Added Yanni Wetzel and Malachi Flynn. And started the next season, twenty fourth, and then they were thirty and two. Mm-hmm. I all I haven't wondered like if you landed two high profile transfers and returned four starters from a twenty two and twelve NCAA tournament team, and you weren't San Diego State, like would you be higher? Right, and they might have been the number one overall seed, but for COVID, they there was certainly that was possible they were that good um so that's that's super interesting that that you bring because again i think conference usa is like that league was good last year and you know i don't think that their league is going to hurt them they're going to play competitive games in their league go ahead with your last question this has been a fun show i don't i don't think our listeners care
1: yeah no um (laughs) yeah i i i i will say that the if if someone also wanted to argue back as to why they think that Florida Atlantic should be like 25th or 27th, I think that they could say, well, they're 27th, but they bring everyone back. And, um, maybe they just showed at these guys that are like, you know, we're third year players. Like it's not often guys make huge leaps from year three to four. So someone could argue like, well, they've shown kind of exactly what they are and they will be, you know, the exact same next year. And that would be, you know, 27th to 17th in Ken Palm or 29th to 17th in Ken Palm. And, uh, that's where they have them so you could also make an argument there and i think it would be reasonable. Mm-hmm. I have one last question then you're welcome to close out the show. Uh, what is your score i will have i will have no comeback to whatever you say cuz i think it's <laughs> probably going to nail it. What is your score prediction for a rivalry game that has lost a little bit of its uh its it's luster in recent years. What do you have between Florida and Florida State? What's your score prediction?
0: So my score prediction for that game is Florida uh Beats the Seminoles for the third straight year. I got the Gators, eighty-five, Florida State seventy-two,
1: and that's a team that's uh, predicted by any metric to be outside the top one hundred. So that's why I needed to know your score for a game that uh, will not be uh, not be appointment viewing for anyone outside of the rivalry because Florida <laughs> State has not been not been it recently. But uh, yeah, that's all I have for today.
0: I love it. Uh, go Gators. Keep attacking closeouts.